Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Tuesday, September the 26th, 2023. It is currently 3.58 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, this is one of those situations I need maximum, maximum participation. I need everyone to participate. I need your research skills. I need your logic. I need your thinking. I need your biblical knowledge. We really need to dig in because we have a very, very important question to try to, well, I don't know if it's one simple question, but we have a, a few ideas here. We really need to try to Try to find the answers to some concepts here. We really need to figure out and we really need to see if we can find a definitive answer here, right? Because I think it has some very important, um, ramifications to our understanding of human nature, our understanding of, of really maybe the impacts of salvation. There, there's so many concepts here, but, but here's what happened. I was, I was sitting here in the studio. And I was hard at work for our next major Bible study exercise, right? I was, I've got, I was looking at notes and I was writing out my introduction and I was like, okay, I think I'm going to go live and I'm going to introduce our next major Bible study exercise. And that Bible study exercise will be on, but I'm not telling you right now because that's not what I'm doing here, but, but I got ready to do that. And then I'm like, well, I see, I've got to be somewhere by 530. So that means, I got limited time. No, if, if I try to do that introduction, I don't want it to feel rushed, right? Because it's an introduction to a major Bible study exercise. Maybe I wouldn't feel rushed. Maybe I would only be done, you know, it would only take 20 or 30 minutes to introduce it, but I would rather be safe than sorry. So I set aside, I started putting away everything, dealing with the next Bible study exercise. And I'm like, okay, so I have a little bit of time. What should I, and then my eye looked down and I saw a notification for an article and I, and I'm like, wait, what does that say? And I, and I read it again and I'm like, wait, what, what, whoa, wait, 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 let me read that again. And so I read it a second time and then I'm like, okay, wait a minute. All right. I know I don't have time to do a, a full podcast on this, but I, I think we can at least throw this idea out there and then just, it, it'll be interesting to see how the average person thinks on this. This is one of those things I really need your answers because I, I don't really know what the average Christian thinks about this. So, it, I mean, if you are willing to do this, the next time you go to church, I need you to just walk around church and ask the people in your church ask your pastor and see if maybe there's more agreement on this subject than I think. In my mind, I don't, I don't know if people have really thought this through, but here is the, here is the headline to this article. Are you ready? Are you sitting down? Okay. Maybe you don't need to sit down. Maybe, maybe this is one of those situations that this subject is much more a bigger deal for me that I don't think the average Christian really cares. I think if I was to bring this subject up, maybe the reality is, most Christians would be like, I don't know the answer and I don't really care. They would kind of shrug their shoulders and not care. So maybe this is all just a, a big thing for me. I don't know. You can tell me, but here is the headline. So you don't have to sit down. You know, you can just keep walking around, driving your car. You don't need to worry about it because I'm assuming this is not even going to bother you, but here we go. Are you ready? Here we go. 
how to protect your heart from your sinful nature. How to protect your heart from your sinful nature. Wait, what? Okay, so this article, at least in the title, is putting forth a concept that inside of every human being, right? Inside of you, inside of me, right? And and I'm assuming... I'm assuming, or maybe they think this is only true of Christians. I don't know. But in, in, let me, let me state it this way. This article seems to be implying that inside some individuals, they have a heart, right? And that heart is not just the physical heart. Obviously, they're, they're seeing this heart as the seat of, I don't know, our emotions, our, our desires. I don't know exactly what, how they would define the heart. Maybe they will in this article, but that the heart and the sinful nature are separate. That the sinful nature does not include the heart. That there's a there's a separation there. Now, how do you typically say when you think of how you were made up? Say, as a believer, do you believe you have a sinful nature but not a sinful heart? Do you believe maybe that the sinful heart was removed? Now you have a good heart, but you still have a sinful nature. So, which is greater, the now a heart that is completely, and if the heart is completely free of the sinful nature, completely separate from the sinful nature, then could you not reach then sinless perfection? Well, wait, no, the sinful nature is there, but which is, so is the sinful nature greater than the new heart? Are they assuming that we have a new heart? I don't understand. How do they understand the makeup of, 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 of human beings? So here's what I would challenge you to do. And you can be very artistic with this. I would challenge you to take a piece of paper. You can use anything. I don't, you can use pencil, pen, markers, paint. I don't care. You, you can use whatever. You, you can just make it as artistic as you want. I would like for you to draw a diagram of what you feel is the, the, the makeup of man before salvation. And then what is the makeup of man after salvation, right? Because some people have this idea that you you have a sinful, that before salvation, I guess a sinful heart and a sinful nature. Then after salvation, you get a different heart, but you still have a sinful nature. And then others almost have the complete eradication of the old nature and just some have a new nature and a new heart. So do you get a new nature, new heart? Do you get a new heart, but not a new, do you get a new heart, but not a new nature? Like, how did, what is the actual makeup? And is there any agreement? Because understanding that makeup will have a, a profound impact on how you view what a Christian can or cannot do. So if you believe that a man gets a completely new heart, then there's a possibility you could believe that, that a, a, a saved man now could actually keep God's law, which I will argue he cannot. This is a very important concept, especially understanding the Christian life. I don't know which direction they're going to go. I know this, that in the book of Jeremiah, it says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. It's desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. Now, some say, well, that that's the unregenerate heart. Once you get a new heart, now that that's not true of your heart. Your heart is no longer desperately wicked. It's no longer deceitful. Well, then that would seem to imply that the heart is completely new, completely protected from the sin nature, that they're separate. Well, then that means you have something in you that could actually possibly reach sinless perfection. So, so then oh, that, asks, that raises so many questions. So which is it? I want you to really just try to, and I want you to talk to as many people as possible, as many Christians as you know, whether you're close friends or not close friends, just how they, 
Tell them, how do you understand what's going on inside of you? Like, where is the sin and where is the absence of sin? Let's see how this article proceeds. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. How to protect your heart from sinful nature. This was found at christianpost.com. Here's the art, the first paragraph. What is the difference between your heart and your sinful nature? Mm, okay. So they, they, they clearly think that there's a difference between your heart and your sinful nature. They say the answer to this is interesting. The answer to this interesting question. Let me state this again. Let me read this again. The answer to this interesting question is a key factor. And understanding what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Oh, this is important. Hey, this is an interesting question, but it's a key factor in understanding what it means to be a faithful follower. Well, I can assume so, right? If you believe that we get a completely new heart, well then, yeah, that's going to have a a very, that's going to be a key factor in what it means to be a faithful follower of Christ. Because I, I supposedly have a heart that's completely free of sin. Because see, the sinful nature is outside of the heart. It's not inside. So then the heart is free. Like, okay. And I, what? Okay, let's see which direction they go. All right, here we go. They says, the answer to this interesting question is a key factor in understanding what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus, Jesus Christ. After all, the Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's First Samuel sixteen seven. Now, what are you saying? Are you saying the heart is not depraved in the Old Testament? I mean, I mean Jeremiah is at least like what are the, I don't know where they're going with that. Okay, but here we go. Here we go. Here we go. You ready? All right. The reason we experience sinful desires is because we have a sinful nature. All right. So we we have sinful desires because we have a sinful nature. Now, now, clearly it seems that they're going to go, it appears they're going to go in a direction that the nature and the heart are two completely different things inside of us. Think of your sinful nature as the basement of your soul. The Apostle Paul wrote, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature, Romans 7, 18. You see, the apostles' basement room, like yours and mine, was full of evil. But the basement room was not Paul's heart. And it was certainly not the apostles' intention to live his Christian life in the basement. So the basement, this is the way they're breaking it down. The basement is sinful nature. It's evil. It's depraved. But if you go up a couple of floors, there's the heart. And the heart is separated. Is this, is this how you understand human nature? Is this how you understand the makeup of man, the makeup of human beings, or at least saved human beings? That we have a basement level and then we have an upper level and that the heart is separate from the sinful nature? The two are not interlocked or connected in any way, shape, or form? Let me continue reading. People's heart... Like that of a born again, okay, let me, I'm sorry. 
Paul's heart. I'm, I'm trying to process this in a relatively, <laughs> I'm I, my brain is moving at a million miles per hour. So I need to slow down and actually read the words in front of me. I'm already thinking like about, you know, 10 miles ahead here. I'm already thinking part 27. This is, feels like it's going to be a 27 part series. I don't know if we can find the answer here. Uh, I'm, I remember in one Bible school, uh, college, one Bible college, we spent a semester on whether a dichotomy view of man or a trichotomy view of man. We had dichotomy or trichotomy, right? We made up a two parts or three parts, right? Body, soul, and spirit, or is soul and spirit interchangeable? I, re- I remember, I remember those long, lengthy discussions and having to look up, trying to look up every verse in the Bible about this and trying to come to a conclusion, all right? So, I feel like that this could turn into, a, 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 I don't know if, I don't even know how easy it would be to prove one way or the other, but here we go. Paul's heart, like, like that of born again people today, was committed to doing God's will and serving his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he's saying, okay, that if you're saved, your heart is committed to doing God's will and serving your Lord, that if you're saved, your heart is committed to that. And that like Paul's heart, is it true that every Christian's heart is committed to doing God's will and serving his Lord and Savior? I, 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 how do you, how, 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 I don't know. How can you say that the heart is? I guess you could say the heart is, and anytime I don't show that commitment, well, it's because of the basement. It's because of the sinful nature. I don't, is that a is that an accurate way to describe this? Let, let's see how they explain this. All right, it says okay. So Paul's heart, like that of a born again uh, people today, was committed to doing God's will and serving His Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. Romans seven twenty two. As a forgiven child of God, Paul wanted to please the Lord with his thought life and his behavior. But like all of us, there are times when Paul entertains sinful thoughts, even if only for a moment or for a minute. The Bible does not tell us how long Paul entertained those sinful thoughts in his heart, but Paul would no doubt renounce those thoughts and ideas shortly after they entered his mind. So now he's, he's seemingly just to imply that, the, that at least Paul entertained sinful thoughts in his heart. So... The heart and the nature are separate, but clearly this new heart can entertain sinful thoughts. I, oh boy. So we have the mind, we have the heart, and we have the nature. Now, is the mind and the heart the same or are they synonymous? Is, is this person breaking down human nature? We have the mind, we have the heart, and we have the nature. The nature can be the, is the basement. The heart is one level and the mind's the upper level. Is the, is the mind the top story, the heart, the middle, the middle floor, and then the basement is the heart, is the sinful nature. Is that how he's breaking this down? I, I don't know. All right. Let, let's see where else he continues to go with this. I think it's a he. Is it a he or a she? I think it's a he. All right. Who wrote this? All right. Here we go. All right. Um, so the, uh, the Bible does not tell us how long Paul entertained those sinful thoughts in his heart, but Paul would no doubt renounce those thoughts and ideas shortly after they entered his mind. Again, how do you know what Paul did or didn't do? How do you know? Like, I love that. Like, you can tell me what Paul did or did. I know Paul referred to himself as the chief of sinners, 
I know Paul said the things he wants to do, he doesn't do, and the things he doesn't want to do, he does. And he comes along, well, Paul, Paul obviously renounced these thoughts shortly after. I mean, I mean, come on, there's no way Paul was committing any kind of serious sin. I mean, no way at all. No way at all. I, like, how do you know that? Like, how can you say that? That's like, Paul was just like you or me, right? He says, for example, Paul may have had brief laps where he spent 20 or 30 seconds harboring ill will towards those who were persecuting him. But regardless of the specific temptations Paul wrestled with as a believer, he did not regularly give himself over to unwholesome thinking and ungodly behavior. How do you know that? You're over 2,000 years removed from the man. You never met the man. You never hung out with the man. You don't have the man's diaries. You don't have the man's uh, home videos. How do you know what the man did or didn't do? Why would we create this idea that Paul, like, maybe for 20 or 30 seconds he had some bad thoughts, but it couldn't have been very long, and he clearly didn't give himself over to any really bad actions. Why would he refer to himself as a chief of sinners? You say, well, he was just very sensitive to his sin. Maybe he knew more about himself than you know. I'm just saying, I, 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 you know, I'm not going to be speaking on how good or bad someone was 2,000 years removed from their life. I, I just, that's crazy. He goes, if that, if that had been the case, we would read about it in scripture and Paul would not have been in the mental and spiritual position to faithfully carry out the enormous mission God called him to complete. Simply put, the apostles walk matched his talk. I don't know how you can draw that conclusion. How can you? It, God did not record everything about everyone in the Bible. And to even insinuate that's the case is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my entire life. God put in the Bible simply what he wanted to be there. Not every detail about everything and answer every question. That is just not true. I do know this. Yeah, I, okay, I don't know who wrote that article and why they're saying these things, but I, I can I can quote from the Apostle Paul. I'll quote from the Apostle Paul, his very words, his very words, okay, this is the Apostle Paul, Romans chapter 7, everyone knows verse 24, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And some people say, well, that was when Paul, before he was saved, all right, and then verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So some people see, see, he was wretched, but then he became a really good guy because he was delivered by Christ. And so he never did anything else wrong. But look what he says after this, which is always left out of every sermon and every discussion. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. See, in his mind, he, he's serving the law of God. But look what he says, with the flesh, the law of sin. The apostle Paul seems to acknowledge that in his flesh, he's serving the law of sin. <gasps> I know, I know we can't, we can't believe that, can we? I, I guess not. I guess not. Well, let's see if they offer any, right now, they've not given me any real explanation to why they're breaking down the, the makeup of man in this interesting way. But let, let's see what else we can find here. All right. Here we go. All right. Here we go. Um, how else? Would Paul have been used by God to reach so many people with the gospel plant? Uh, um, hang on. 
How else would Paul have been used by God to reach so many people with the gospel, plant so many congregations, and write so much of the New Testament? Such a feat would have been impossible if Paul was continually allowing the mind to be dominated by sinful thoughts. Paul's heart was on fire daily to spread the gospel, reach the lost, and make disciples. Whereas his sinful nature was the room in his soul he avoided with every every ounce of his being. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to uh, a slave to the law of sin. Now they do quote Romans 7.25, but what he is saying is that, hey, he kept the sin in the basement. He kept the sin in the, in the nature and that it, that nature never manifested itself in his thoughts or in his actions uh, more than maybe for tw- 20 to 30 seconds or 10 to 20 seconds. Now, again, I don't know how this person supposedly knows all of this stuff. It must be great to be, I guess, I don't know, omniscient. Uh, and I, I guess this almost person is claiming attributes of deity. There's no way you know these things. He's saying, well, Paul kept it in the basement. He kept it in the basement. He kept it, he kept it on the down low. He, he kept it in the closet. See, so just keep it in the closet. And, and so you and me, all of those sinful things, we can keep them in the closet. We can keep it in the basement and we don't have to ever let it show up in our actions or in, even in our mind for more than maybe 10 to 20 seconds. <laughs> oh man. Okay. All right. Let's hang on. The page is refreshing. All right, here we go. Let me go back down to see where they're also going to go here because I'm having a hard time following the logic here. I'm having a hard time following this. All right. Here we go. It says, how are things going today in your heart and mind? Are you protecting your heart from your sinful nature? Or are you deliberately making trips to the basement room of your soul? Right now, so he he seems to have three parts. We have the mind, we have the heart, and we have the basement. And that we can literally separate our mind and our heart from our sinful nature so that the sinful nature has no impact on the mind and the heart unless we take trips to the basement. Now, if we take trips to the basement, then we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna make the heart and the mind dirty because the heart and mind, I guess, in a Christian is no longer dirty. I guess this is the argument. So as long as you don't take a trip to the basement, sounds like you have a high probability of being sinless, right? It says, all right, how are things going in your heart and mind? How are things going today in your heart and mind? Are you protecting your heart from your sinful nature or are you deliberately making trips to the basement of your soul? Maybe he's he's combining heart and mind as one thing. Maybe he sees those as synonymous, synonymous. All right, because sometimes he speaks of them as twice, but as separate, but it sounds like he's really grouping them together. So let me read this again. How are things going today in your heart and mind? Are you protecting your heart from your sinful nature or are you deliberately making trips to the basement room of your soul? Our calling as Christians is clear, namely to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Whenever we are tempted to give into jealousy, gossip, resentment, worry, lying, lust, a judgmental attitude and the like, God will give us the strength to resist going down to the basement. So once again, anytime you're tempted, according to this article, you have the strength to resist, meaning you can be sinless. Ladies and gentlemen, you can be sinless. You now have the ability to do so. This, oh man, I am so tired of this nonsense in the Christian world. 
We cannot keep God's law even as saved people. We will fall short continually. Stop telling people that, hey, if you struggle with sin, God's just going to give you the strength and boom, you can stop doing it. Well, then I can be sinless. Well, I mean, no, you can't be sinless. I mean, God will give you, I mean, you can't, you, we can't, we're going to continue to sin. I'm not saying we should. I'm not saying we should not, uh, you know, do everything in our, I'm, I'm not saying that we shouldn't try to fight against it and we shouldn't resist it. And I'm not saying we shouldn't feel guilty when we sin, but we have to have some reality of what's going on. That sinful nature is not just something in the basement. That sinful nature impacts every aspect of your being, your heart, your mind, all of it. And I'm still not convinced we still don't have a sinful heart. Because the passage is usually quote of a new heart is a reference to the new covenant for Israel, but I, I digress. All right, now let's, so all, all supposedly you have to do is just, God's going to give you the strength not to go to the basement. As long as you don't go to the basement, yeah, I guess you're not going to sin. This is bizarre. Sometimes trying to understand the Christian world is, it, it the more you read about, I, I, I just, I just, I don't under, I, look, I don't understand any time. I don't understand. All right, but here we go. Let's see where they're going to go with this. And for those times when you give into sinful thinking, we need to come to our senses, confess our sin to the Lord and get back upstairs where Jesus is waiting for us in the living room of your soul. You see, Jesus never ventures down into the basement, but he always loves us unconditionally. Even when we make poor choices and take our thoughts life in a wicked, take our, take our thought life in a wicked direction. So Jesus won't go down to the basement. He's, he's just not going to touch the basement, but Jesus will stay upstairs. And when you go down to the basement, just know that Jesus is up there waiting for you and you can come back upstairs and Jesus is like, man, I don't know what you were doing in the basement, but hey, here's some strength to stop you from going back down there. But if he gives you the strength to stop you to going to the basement, then why do you ever go to the basement. God's just giving you the strength. Well, I guess you don't use the strength that you've been given. And why wouldn't Jesus just go to the basement and get rid of the basement? And then the whole problem would be over. And Christianity, oh, sometimes trying to understand Christianity, it's like, it's, it's so like, we don't hear ourselves. We're so used to talking this language. We don't see how utterly nonsensical it sounds. Hey, Jesus will stay upstairs. He won't go down to that basement. Well, if he, if he came into the, the house and he came to the upstairs room, why won't he just walk down to the basement and clean it? Then nobody sins anymore. He'll give you the strength not to go to the basement. Well, if, if the strength is not, if, if the strength is only good as I tend to use it or not, and then if I don't use it, why do I not want to use it? What's causing me not to want to use the strength? Why wouldn't God then get rid of the thing that's causing me not to want to use the strength? None of it makes any sense. It's nonsensical at times. Filling our minds with scripture is a powerful defense in our struggle against sin. Memorizing Bible verses and meditating upon God's word has been a source of tremendous strength for millions of believers over the centuries. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. God's going to give you the strength, but wait, 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 wait. Now you got to do something. You got to memorize scripture. If you'll memorize scripture, that will keep you from going to the basement, but God will give you the strength not to go to the basement. So God will give you strength, but his strength may not be good enough. So to add to the strength that he gives you, you need to get more strength and that's memorizing scripture. So your heart and your mind is not in, impacted or infected with sin. It's completely clean. 
The only problem you have in you is your basement. And But God will give you the strength not to go to the basement. And if you memorize scripture, that will keep you from the basement. So reality is you have a high, you have about an 80% probability of being close to sinless. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, uh, I, I don't understand. Okay, the page is refreshing for the 15,000th time. All right, here we go. I'm going to throw, throw my iPad across the room. Here we go. All right. Whenever, whenever we do not protect our heart and mind from our sinful nature, we find ourselves going into the wrong flow mentally and spiritually. See, your job is to protect your heart and mind from the sinful nature. So the sinful nature is down as down in the basement. And so what you have to do is stand up, you know, stand at the door of the basement. And whenever the door of the basement starts opening, and the sinful nature starts coming out. Then you take like a, a baseball bat or something. Like, boom, go back down to the basement. Boom, go back down to the basement. Bad, go back to the basement. Bad. <laughs> and then, and then this is, and don't go down to in the basement to chase it. You just got to keep the basement. You got to keep the sinful nature in the basement, right? Because in the heart and in the mind, hey, they're all committed to God and they don't have any sin in them. So your job is just to protect your heart and mind from the sinful nature that's in the basement. This is literally on a Christian website. This is literally the way they're trying to diagram the Christian life. This, oh, man. 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 And yes, you're saying you're being a little sarcastic and you're being you're making a light of it. I am making a light of it because this is just a ridiculous understanding of the way it works. That the, the sinful nature is like a, a monster locked in the basement. All you got to do is like, stay, stay, boy, stay, stay down, down, boy, down, 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 down. And then your mind and your heart will be like, oh, I love Jesus all the time. I love Jesus. Everything is wonderful. No sin. And you're like, oh, wait, sinful, a sinful thought came to my mind. How did it get here? Oh, no, the basement door must be open. Oh, wait, wait, till one, two, three. Okay, but I got rid of it. I got rid of it. Okay, good. Okay, now it's back down in the basement. Lock the door. It's just like, come on now. It, this cannot be the way you understand the, the, the makeup of man. It says, whenever we do not protect our heart and mind from our sinful nature, we find ourselves going into the wrong uh, flow mentally and spiritually. The flow of the Holy Spirit produces love, joy, peace, godly thinking, whereas the flow of the basement room produces restlessness, agitation, and ungodly thoughts within the heart of a Christian. I can tell you what produces agitation and ungodly thoughts, reading Christian articles. But I digress, I digress, I digress, I digress. You're not, you and I were not rescued from sin and death so that we could fill our hearts with sinful thoughts. We were saved in order to bring the glory to the Lord by setting our hearts and minds on things that are pleasing to God. And never, whenever we fix our thoughts on the Lord and on wholesome things, we discover that the flow of the Holy Spirit continues to fill our heart with godly desire and spiritual power. God's word instructs us above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Guarding your heart involves carefully screening what you allow through your eyes and faithfully filtering what you allow into your mind. How are things going? Uh, how are things going today in that critical aspect of your life as a follower of Christ? When our heart and mind are in a good place, our Christian life flows with peace and power. But whenever we engage in unwholesome thinking, it upsets our entire life of discipleship. That's almost for code as what music are you listening to and what movies are you watching? Because see, see, 
the, the real problem is down in your sinful nature. It's not in your heart. But didn't Jesus say it's out of the heart? This corruption flows. Did Jesus say it's out of the sinful nature the corruption flows? Or are, are you saying Jesus is only talking it's out of the heart of a sinful man? So, so in a roundabout way, it seems like what he's, this person is saying. See, the heart of a sinful man is corrupt and sinful. The heart of a saved man is not corrupt or sinful. Because here's what happens. In salvation, I guess you get a new heart. And then the sinful, the, all the sin just goes down to the basement to your sinful nature. And now all we have to do is just fight our sinful nature. But our heart our heart and mind is supposedly, I guess, pure. And so we just want to make sure we don't allow any of the corruption into our mind and into our heart. He <sighs> says, this explains why Paul was inspired to write the following directive to Christians. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellency or praiseworthy, think about such things. And not just on Sundays, but every day. Otherwise, your heart will suffer many things that could have been avoided by simply saying no to certain mindsets and particular attitudes. A tall order? Definitely. And yet a, a, no, a noble thought life is essential in order to protect your heart from your sinful nature. So you got to have the right thoughts to protect your heart from your sinful nature. What, what is the pinnacle of pure thinking? Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Uh, easier said than done, and yet it's the only way the Christian life works. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, your sins have been forgiven, and your heart now belongs to the Lord rather than to yourself. Therefore, fix your heart or your thoughts on Jesus. So your heart belongs to Jesus. It's committed. It's, it's perfect. You got to keep your thinking right, but the real problem lies in the basement. So this person puts forth the idea that inside a Christian, I'm going to, now they did not articulate this perfectly, but I'm just trying to extrapolate this from what we read. You have your mind, you have the heart, and you have the sinful nature. Inside a Christian, the heart and the mind is free from sin, other than any any corruption that may crawl out of the basement, your sinful nature into those areas, or if you bring something from the outside in. In other words, it's not already corrupted. It's really pure. You just got to keep this other stuff out of it. And if you keep the other stuff out of it and you keep the sinful nature from corrupting it, then basically your mind and heart will stay absolutely pure and absolutely committed to Jesus Christ. So basically you can be sinless. You just got to deal with the sinful nature. So I'm assuming they have to believe before salvation you had a corrupt heart. So we get a, we replace a corrupt heart with a new heart, but God does not replace the sinful nature with a new nature. I, I would love to get your thoughts on, on the makeup of man. Well, how, how would you diagram it? What do you, how would you diagram it? I, I really, I want you to draw it out. I want you to be as, creative. I want you to go to town. Pens, pencils, colors, paint. I don't care. Yeah, I, I don't care what you use. You can, I would really, only because this exercise, it may seem like I'm, I'm, I'm making fun of it, but I'm not because we really need to understand how do I understand what's going on inside of me? How do I understand it? Because this person, it's, it's just the idea that, okay, I just got to stand guard at the door to the basement. And don't, I don't go down into the basement. I don't let the basement out. And then I have victory. 
So I don't really, I can't, I can't really clean the basement. I really can't fix the, I like, I don't know exactly how you, you fix this or, or make this work, but it is something we definitely, 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 definitely need to try. We, I don't have a good answer. I don't, I'm not, I'm even, I'm going to pretend I have a good answer. This almost makes Christians like, I don't know, like we have multiple parts. We, we got, we got this part of ourselves and this part of ourselves and we got this and we got, I, I, I don't know how you, how you understand it exactly. I, I, there's more I would, I, I don't, well, I, you know what? I would say there's more I want to say, but I don't know what to say because I don't know if I even, I, I, I just, this article just drives me crazy because you think when they make such a claim like this, that they would go to a much more like, you know, in-depth approach, like, let us explain throughout church history, here are the different views on the makeup of man. Here's what a, a depraved man looks like. They're spiritually dead. They have a depraved heart. They have a sinful nature. They're all under the... Now, when you get saved, all right, now what, what, what happens? Now what happens? Does the nature remain? Does the heart remain? What, like, what, what's changed? Because if you got to be careful to explain if you, because, I mean, as some people will want to quote, see if when you become a Christian, you're a new creature, old things are passed away, all things have become new. There's nothing sinful left in you at all. I mean, if you're really going to believe that to be referring to a practical reality, then you would have to say there's no sinful nature, there's no sinful heart, there's no sinful anything. So you can be perfect. But I, I don't believe the passage that says if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature, old things pass away, have anything to do with my practical reality. That's speaking of my positional reality. In Christ is the key phrase. In Christ, I stand as a new creature. The old is gone. Everything is new because I'm saved by an imputed righteousness accredited to my account. And I stand in Christ accredited, perfectly righteous, perfectly holy. All of Christ's obe- obedience is accredited to my account. And practice, I'm not a new creature in any way, shape, or form. I'm still a sinful man with a sinful nature. And I believe the heart is still depraved. I'll just wait there. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. I'm sure there's going to be strong disagreements here. You got to, I mean, just be honest with yourself. Be honest with what you've seen in Christianity for all the years you've existed. Sin, 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 sin. And that's what we see. Who knows what's going on behind closed doors or what's going on inside the hearts of people? All right. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. I have to get ready, have somewhere to be. And then may, I don't know if we'll do another broadcast this evening, but... We'll definitely be working on some things uh, on t- for tomorrow if I don't do any late night broadcasting. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. May God bless you.